0: I'm not sure if uh, you watched a lot of TV over the weekend or or read um, the news and kept up with events in Russia, but it was... Quite an eventful uh, 48 hours uh, in that country. And today, Wagner uh, mercenary chief Evgeny Prigozhin uh, resurfaced uh, for the first time since uh, his mutiny on Saturday. Um, and today he declared that his motive was to save the, his private militia from being taken over by the Russian military, not to topple President Vladimir Putin. Now, uh, whatever his intentions, Prigozhin's brazen revolt uh, confronted Putin. Putin with his fiercest challenge as he was faced as, uh, with the more in more than 20 years as Russia's supreme leader. So a significant uh, pushback and challenge to Mr. Putin. It also many would argue laid bare the bitter divisions uh, over Mr. Putin's handling of the war in Ukraine and many have said could have serious repercussions uh, on the battlefield um, as well. Uh, here's a report from France 24 in regards to what's transpired over the last 48 hours uh, in Russia.
1: To a chorus of cheers and rounds of applause, the leader of the Wagner mercenary group, Yevgeny Prigozhin, bids the residents of Rostov-on-Den goodbye. His departure marks an end to a dramatic standoff that saw the Wagner group seize the southern city that is a military hub for the Russian army. It's another U-turn for Prigozhin. Earlier, just hours after announcing a march on Moscow, the Wagner boss ordered his troops abandon the assault. We went. On June
2: 23rd, we left for the justice march. In 24 hours, we
0: made all this progress. We
2: are 200 kilometers from Moscow. Understanding the the risk that Russian blood blood could be shed on either side, our men are turning back the other way and returning to their temporary base camps, according to plan.
1: The 180 could be thanks to Belarusian President Alexander Lukashenko. His office claims he negotiated a deal with the Wagner boss, who then agreed to halt his troops' advance. Lukashenko's close ally, Russian President Vladimir Putin, has praised the leader for his apparent efforts. The announcement marks a de escalation in a crisis that many feared could spiral into a devastating conflict between the Russian army and Prigozhin's forces. In an address to the nation, Russian President Vladimir Putin described the Wagner Group's actions as a stab in the back to Russia.
0: All those who deliberately embarked on the path of betrayal, who prepared an armed rebellion, embarked on the path of blackmail and terrorist methods, will suffer inevitable punishment. will answer both before the law and before our people. That was uh, Vladimir Putin. Uh, and, of course, that report was prepared by France 24. Well, joining us now to talk a little bit about the repercussions of what transpired over the last 48 hours is Marcus Kolga, Senior Fellow at the Macdonald-Laurier Institute. Mr. Kolga, thank you for joining us today. Thanks for having me on, Josh. Uh A lot uh, has transpired uh, over the weekend when it comes to um, Russia, Vladimir Putin, Evgeny uh, Prigozhin, um, the head of the Wagner uh, Group. Uh, what are your main takeaways from this weekend?
2: Well, uh, Vladimir Putin's own power is much uh, diminished. Um, he is looking more vulnerable than he has at any other time uh, over the past 23 years that he has been in power. Um, Russia is clearly a nation that is divided. Its elite are divided, um, and uh, and I think that Russia in general is looking much weaker uh, than we have seen it uh, in in the past uh, over the past months, and so. Um, you know, I, I think that the Western world needs to be prepared um, for what will inevitably come. You know, what we saw over the weekend is pretty much a, a preview, a dress rehearsal for what is going to happen at some point in the coming weeks and, and months. Russia is going to see uh, there's going to be political turmoil. There is going to be a change, but we should also be uh, very careful because uh, Vladimir Putin right now um, is a, a, a cornered rat, so to speak. Um, he is feeling uh, that he is vulnerable. Um, right now, there, are, there have been reports now and over the past couple of days that uh, uh, in, with regards to the war in Ukraine, uh, Russian troops have uh, placed uh, uh, explosives in the Zaporizhia nuclear power plant. This is the largest power plant in Europe. Uh, and there's real concern. Even uh, President Zelensky, Ukraine's president, has warned that there could be a, a nuclear catastrophe waiting to happen there. So we need to be uh, very alert as to what is happening both in Ukraine and in Moscow at the moment because the situation is extremely tenuous uh, at this moment.
0: Uh, I just want to uh, just step back for a moment. You referred to uh, Mr. Putin as a, as a cornered rat. One would argue uh, rats are most dangerous when they're cornered. Um, uh, do you believe he has the full support of his inner circle, or at least the positions of power and authority to keep hold of power? Uh, or is this really beyond Mr. Prigozhin's action this weekend and Wagner Group's actions, but in his own inner circle, is he worried now?
2: Uh, he has to be worried. Uh, we know that on Saturday, the oligarchs, the kleptocrats that have been supporting him uh, for the past 23 years, keeping him in power, um, most of them, Moscow. They flew to places like Azerbaijan, uh, Armenia, Turkey. Um, We know that there are also cracks appearing within the inner circle, amongst the elite. Um, And of course, you know, Vladimir Putin has relied on this um, facade of of being Russia's strongman, the only Russian leader who can protect the Russian people um, from the evils of NATO and Ukraine and such. And that facade has been irreparably damaged now. Uh, there is no going back to um, who he appeared to be in the eyes of the Russian people and even the elites uh, last week. Um, he is uh, clearly, uh, again, vulnerable, and uh, there's no doubt that the elites in Moscow um, are thinking about ways to um, ha- make a change happen uh, politically at the, at the top of, of Russia's leadership. Um, you know, Vladimir Putin has been in this war now for, for 16 months. Um, he has very little to show for it, other than uh, tens of thousands of dead Russian soldiers, uh, an economy that is teetering on the brink of collapse. Um, the situation in Russia itself is, is quite dire. Um, there are uh, major problems in the regions. Uh, there one in three hospitals don't have running water. Um, The Russian people are starting to become aware of this, um, and they are no longer going to be uh, placated by these images of of war. So, um, you know, the Russian elite know this. The oligarchs know this. I think that Russian military commanders know this. And certainly people like Evgeny Prigozhin realize this as well. And so, yeah, the, the threat to Vladimir Putin uh, is quite real right
0: now. I think there's m- most of us uh, in the West here would love to see Vladimir Putin gone. but when a strong man like that leaves after two decades in power, that leaves a huge vacuum uh, as well. What kind of things should we in the West be considering in regards to stability if Putin does go?
2: Well, that's a great question, Jaz. Uh, look the, there's no guarantee that the next leader Russian leader will be a liberal, will be a Democrat who's Uh, whose uh, worldviews and values align with ours. Um, We saw just this weekend the type of person who might come to power in Russia. Um, Yevgeny Prigozhin is an ex-convict. His forces are accused of engaging in mass atrocities in Africa, uh, in Syria, in in Ukraine as well. Um, This guy is anything but a, a Democrat. He's a savage. And it's someone like that who could come to power. Uh, and we saw how close he did come to power on Saturday. Um, I would guess that had he continued his march onto Moscow, he would have be, been in the Kremlin today. Um, and so that's the kind of leader that may come to power in the future. And we need to be fully prepared um, for that eventuality. Now, will that last forever? Probably not. Um, if someone else like Yevgeny Prigozhin were to become president of Russia, I think there will be a, a an extended period of instability inside of Russia. Uh, it will be bloody. It will be messy. But I do believe that the Russian people will eventually stand up and, and will say enough is enough. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that the Western world, what they need to be doing right now, is doubling down on their support. Uh, for Russian independent civil society, the opposition, Russian independent media, so that when that time comes, and that time will come, but when that time comes, that those uh, pro-democracy Russians, they have the tools and resources necessary to do what's needed in that transition. They can identify those opportunities and and hopefully eventually come to power because it's only with a democratic Russia that we will have true peace in in Central and Eastern Europe.
0: Uh, With the billions and billions of dollars that have uh, flooded into Russia over the last two and a half decades in regards to energy prices, they have uh, been fueling Europe for a very long time. They have uh, deals with China as well as a fast-growing economy over the last two decades. and so there's lots of dollars there. Uh, but yet yep. when you look at their system, when you look at their military bogged down in, in the Ukraine, you see this this one individual with a mercenary army potentially could have taken over the government. Why is Russia so weak?
2: Uh, well, Russia is so weak because there is one person running the show and one person who's benefiting from everything. It's a mafia state. Um, and... Uh, all of that money that's flowed from those regions of Russia, those very impoverished regions of Russia, has been done on the backs of those people that live in the region. They're not benefiting from this, um, especially the indigenous people in in uh, in Russia. And all of this is built on on their backs. They are not seeing any of that, uh, any of that uh, of that the wealth that's being generated by Russian resources. Uh, a lot of that money, uh, when it flows into centers like Moscow and St. Petersburg, it flows into the pockets of these oligarchs who have really amassed all of this wealth. Um, you know, My friend, Bill Browder, says that uh, up to 50% of those revenues goes, go directly to Vladimir Putin, making him probably the richest man on earth right now. Uh, and again, it doesn't go to the Russian people. And when it goes into the coffers of these oligarchs, it, it goes offshore, it goes into places in, it used to, not anymore, because we've, we've placed restrictions on the, on the movement of capital, but uh, it, it would be placed in places like, uh, like Europe. Um, Roman Abramovich, one of the wealthiest uh, Russian oligarchs uh, who's on our sanctions list, used to own a Chelsea Football Club. He has billions of dollars invested here, right here in Canada, in Evraz Steel, which, uh, which he and his uh, colleagues own. Um, and that's where this money... Is uh, is hidden away, and unfortunately, the Russian people uh, have seen no benefit from the billions, trillions of dollars in revenue that are being generated from from Russian resources. And and I believe that it's it, it'll only they'll only see that benefit when there is a, a change in government where you have uh, a democrat uh, who respects the rule of law uh, running that country.
0: Uh, Mr. Kolga, thank you so much for your time. They really enjoyed our conversation. Thanks so much.
2: Anytime. Thanks for having me on, Jeff.